Chapters five through ten, book eleven, volume two of Le Mort d'Arthur. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Richard Elwood. Le Mort d'Arthur, Volume 2, by Sir Thomas Mallory. Chapter 5 Then Sir Bors thought he should no more go into that chamber to rest him, and so Sir Bors dressed him betwixt the knight and that chamber door, and there Sir Bors smote him down, and then that knight yielded him. What is your name? said Sir Bors. Sir, said he, my name is Pevadere of the Straight Marches. So Sir Bors made him to swear at Whitsunday next coming to be at the court of King Arthur, and yield him there as a prisoner, as an overcome knight, by the hands of Sir Bors. So thus departed Sir Pevadere of the Straight Marches. And then Sir Bors laid him down to rest, and then he heard and felt much noise in that chamber. And then Sir Bors espied that there came in, he wist not whether at the doors nor windows, shot of arrows and of quarrels so thick that he marveled, and many fell upon him and hurt him in the bare places. And then Sir Bors was ware where came in an hideous lion. So Sir Bors dressed him unto the lion, and anon the lion bereft him his shield, and with his sword Sir Bors smote off the lion's head. Right so Sir Bors forthwithal saw a dragon in the court passing horrible, and there seemed letters of gold written in his forehead, and Sir Bors thought that the letters made a signification of King Arthur. Right so there came an horrible leopard, and an old, and there they fought long, and did great battle together. And at the last the dragon spit out his mouth, as it had been an hundred dragons, and lightly all the small dragons slew the old dragon, and tear him all to pieces. Anon withal there came an old man into the hall, and he sat him down in a fair chair, and there seemed to be two atters about his neck. And then the old man had an harp, and there he sang an old song, how Joseph of Arimathea came into this land. Then, when he had sung, the old man bade Sir Bors go from thence, for here shall ye have no more adventures, and full worshipfully have ye done, and better shall ye do hereafter. And then Sir Bors seemed that there came the whitest dove, with a little golden censer in her mouth, and anon therewithal the tempest ceased and passed, and afore was marvellous to hear, so was all that court full of good saviours. Then Sir Bors saw four children bearing four fair tapers, and an old man in the midst of the children, with a censer in his own hand, and a spear in his other hand, and that spear was called the Spear of Vengeance. CHAPTER Six. Now, said that old man to Sir Bors, go ye to your cousin Sir Lancelot, and tell him of this adventure the which had been most convenient for him of all earthly knights. But sin is so foul in him, he may not achieve such holy deeds, for had not been his sin, he had passed all the knights that ever were in his days. And thou tell, Sir Launcelot, of all worthy adventures he passeth in manhood and prowess all other. 
but in this spiritual matters he shall have many his better. And then Sir Bor saw four gentlewomen come by him, purely beseen, and he saw where that they entered into a chamber where was a great lion, as it were a summer light, and the women kneeled down afore an altar of silver with four pillars, and as it had been a bishop kneeled down afore that table of silver. And as Sir Bors looked over his head, he saw a sword like silver naked, hoving over his head, and the clearness thereof smote so in his eyes, that as that time Sir Bors was blind, and there he heard a voice that said, Go hence, thou Sir Bors, for as yet thou art not worthy for to be in this place. And then he yeed backwards to his bed till on the morn. And on the morn King Pelles made great joy of Sir Bors, and then he departed and rode to Camelot, and there he found Sir Lancelot de Lake, and told him of the adventures that he had seen with King Pelles at Corbin. So the noise sprang in Arthur's court that Lancelot had gotten a child upon Elaine, the daughter of King Pelles. Wherefore Queen Guinevere was wroth, and gave many rebukes to Sir Lancelot, and called him false knight. And then Sir Lancelot told the queen all, and how he was made to lie by her by enchantment and likeness of the queen. So the queen held Sir Lancelot excused. And as the book saith, King Arthur had been in France, and had made war upon the mighty King Claudus, and had won much of his lands. And when the king was come again, he let cry a great feast, that all lords and ladies of all England should be there, but if it were such as were rebellious against him. CHAPTER Seven. And when Dame Elaine, the daughter of King Pelles, heard of this feast, she went to her father, and required him that he would give her leave to ride to that feast. The king answered, I will well ye go thither, but in any wise as ye love me, and will have my blessing, that ye be well beseen in the richest wise, and look that ye spare not for no cost. Ask, and ye shall have all that you needeth. Then, by the advice of Dame Brisen, her maiden, all thing was apparelled unto the purpose, that there was never no lady more richlier beseen. So she rode with twenty knights and ten ladies and gentlewomen to the number of an hundred horses. And when she came to Camelot, King Arthur and Queen Guinevere said, And all the knights, that Dame Elaine was the fairest and the best beseen lady that ever was seen in that court. And anon, as King Arthur wist that she was come, he met her, and saluted her. And so did the most part of all the knights of the round table, both Sir Tristram, Sir Bleblius, and Sir Gwain, and many more that I will not rehearse. But when Sir Launcelot saw her, he was so ashamed, and that because he drew his sword on the morn when he had lain by her, that he would not salute her nor speak to her. And yet... Sir Launcelot thought she was the fairest woman that ever he saw in his life days. But when Dame Elaine saw Sir Launcelot that would not speak unto her, she was so heavy that she weaned her heart would have to brast, for wit you well of all measure she loved him. And then Elaine said unto her woman, Dame Brisen, the unkindness of Sir Launcelot slayeth me near. Ah, peace, madame, said Dame Brisen, 
I will undertake that this night ye shall lie with you, and ye would hold you still. That were me lifer, said Dame Elaine, than all the gold that is above the earth. Let me deal, said Zame Bryson. So when Elaine was brought unto Queen Guinevere, either made other good cheer by countenance, but nothing with hearts, but all men and women spake of the beauty of Dame Elaine, and of her great riches. Then at night the queen commanded that Dame Elaine should sleep in a chamber nigh her chamber, and all under one roof, and so it was done as the queen commanded. Then the queen sent for Sir Lancelot, and bade him come to her chamber that night. Or else I am sure, said the queen, that ye will go to your lady's bed, Dame Elaine, by whom ye gat Galahad. Ah, madame, said Sir Lancelot, never say ye so, for that I did was against my will. Then, said the queen, look that ye come to me when I send for you. Madame, said Sir Lancelot, I shall not fail you, but I shall be ready at your commandment. This bargain was soon done and made between them, but Dame Bryson knew it by her crafts, and told it to her lady, Dame Elaine. Alas, said she, how shall I do? Let me deal, said Dame Bryson, for I shall bring him by the hand even to your bed, and he shall ween that I am Queen Guinevere's messenger. Now well is me, said Dame Elaine, for all the world I love not so much as I do Sir Lancelot. Chapter 8 So when time came that all folks were abed, Dame Bryson came to Sir Lancelot's bed, sighed, and said, Sir Lancelot du Lake sleep you? My lady Queen Guinevere lieth and awaiteth upon you. O oh, my fair lady, said Sir Lancelot, I am ready to go with you where ye will have me. So Sir Lancelot drew upon him a long gown, and a sword in his hand, and then Dame Bryson took him by the finger and led him to her lady's bed, Dame Elaine. And then she departed and left him in bed together. Wit you will, the lady was glad, and so was Sir Lancelot, for he weened that he had had another in his arms. Now leave we them, kissing and clipping, as was kindly thing, and now speak we of Queen Guinevere that sent one of her women unto Sir Lancelot's bed, and when she came there she found the bed cold, and he was away. So she came to the queen and told her all, Alas, said the queen, where is that false knight become? Then the queen was nigh out of her wit, and then she writhed and weltered as a mad woman, and might not sleep a four or five hours. Then Sir Lancelot had a condition that he used of custom. He would clatter in his sleep, and speak oft of his lady, Queen Guinevere. So Sir Lancelot had waked as long as it had pleased him. Then by course of kind he slept, and Dame Elaine both. And in his sleep he talked and clattered as a jay, of the love that had been betwixt Queen Guinevere and him, and so, as he talked so loud, the queen heard him thereas she lay in her chamber. And when she heard him so clatter, she was nigh wood, and out of her mind, and for anger and pain wits not what to do. And then she coughed so loud that Sir Lancelot awaked, and he knew her hemming. 
and then he knew well that he lay not by the queen, and therewith he leapt out of his bed as he had been a woodman in his shirt, and the queen met him in the floor, and thus she said, False traitor knight that thou art, look thou never abide in my court, and avoid my chamber, and not so hardy, thou false traitor knight that thou art, that ever thou come in my sight. Alas, said Sir Launcelot, and therewith he took such an hearty sorrow at her words that he fell down to the floor in a swoon, and therewithal Queen Guinevere departed, and when Sir Launcelot awoke of his swoon, he leapt out at a bay window into a garden, and there with thorns he was all to scratched in his visage and his body, and so he ran forth he wist not whither, and was wild wood as ever was man, and so he ran two year, and never man might have to grace to know him. CHAPTER Nine. Now we turn unto Queen Guinevere, and to the fair Lady Elaine, that when Dame Elaine heard the queen so to rebuke Sir Launcelot, and also she saw how he swooned, and how he leaped out at a bay window, then she said unto Queen Guinevere, Madame, ye are greatly to blame for Sir Launcelot, for now have ye lost him, for I saw and heard by his countenance that he is mad for ever. Alas, madam, ye do great sin, and to yourself great dishonor, for ye have a lord of your own, and therefore it is your part to love him, for there is no queen in this world hath such another king as ye have. And if ye were not, I might have the love of my lord Sir Launcelot, and cause I have to love him, for he had my maidenhood. And by him I have borne a fair son, and his name is Galahad. And he shall be in his time the best knight in the world. Dame Elaine, said the queen, when it is daylight I charge you and command you to avoid my court, and for the love ye owe unto Sir Launcelot discover not his counsel, for an ye do it will be his death. As for that, said Dame Elaine, I dare undertake he is married for ever, and that have ye made, for ye, nor I, are like to rejoice him, for he made the most piteous groans when he leapt out at yonder bay window that ever I heard man make. Alas, said fair Elaine, and alas, said the Queen Guinevere, for now I wot well we have lost him for ever. So on the morn Dame Elaine took her leave to depart, and she would no longer abide. Then King Arthur brought her on her way, with more than a hundred knights through a forest, and by the way she told Sir Bors de Ganis all how it betid that same night, and how Sir Launcelot leapt out at a window, arraged out of his wit. Alas, said Sir Bors, where is my lord Sir Launcelot become? Sir, said Elaine, I wot ne'er. Alas, said Sir Bors, betwixt both ye have destroyed that good knight. As for me, said Dame Elaine, I said never nor did never thing that should in any wise displease him, but with the rebuke that Queen Guinevere gave him, I saw him swoon to the earth, and when he awoke he took his sword in his hand, naked save his shirt, and leapt out at a window with the grisliest groan that ever I heard man make. Now farewell, Dame Elaine, 
said Sir Bors, and hold my lord Arthur with a tale as long as he can, for I will turn again to Queen Guinevere and give her a hate. And I require you, as ever ye will have my service, make good watch and a spy if ever ye may see my lord Sir Launcelot. Truly, said fair Elaine, I shall do all that I may do, for as fain would I know in wit where he is become, as you or any of his kin, or Queen Guinevere, and cause great enough have I hereto as well as any other. And wit ye, said fair Elaine to Sir Bors, I would lose my life for him rather than he should be hurt, but alas, I cast me never for to see him, and the chief causer of this is Dame Guinevere. Madame, said Dame Brisen, the witch had made the enchantment before betwixt Sir Launcelot and her. I pray you heartily, let Sir Bors depart, and hie him with all his might as fast as he may seek Sir Launcelot, for I warn you he is clean out of his mind, and yet he shall be well hopen unbut my miracle. Then wept Dame Elaine, and so did Sir Bors de Ganis, and they departed, and Sir Bors rode straight unto Queen Guinevere, and when she saw Sir Bors she wept as she were wood. Fie on your weeping, said Sir Bors de Ganis, for ye weep never but when there is no boat. Alas, said Sir Bors, that ever Sir Launcelot kin saw you, for now have ye lost the best knight of our blood, and he that was all our leader and our succor. And I dare say and make it good that all kings, Christian nor heathen, may not find such a knight for to speak of his nobleness and courtesy, but with his beauty and his gentleness. Alas, said Sir Bors, what shall we do that be of his blood? Alas, said Sir Ector de Maris. Alas, said Lionel. Chapter 10 And when the queen heard them say so, she fell to the earth in a dead swoon, and then Sir Bors took her up and dawed her, and when she was awakened she kneeled afore the three knights, and held up both her hands, and besought them to seek him. And spare not for no goods but that he be found, for I wot he is out of his mind. And Sir Bors, Sir Ector, and Sir Lionel departed from the queen, for they might not abide no longer for sorrow. And then the queen sent them treasure enough for their expenses, and so they took their horses and their armor and departed. And then they rode from country to country, in forests and in wilderness, and in wastes, and ever they laid watch both at forests and at all manner of men as they rode, to hearken and sphere after him, as he that was a naked man in his shirt, with a sword in his hand. And thus they rode nigh a quarter of a year, end long and overthwart, in many places, forests and wilderness, and oft times were evil lodged for his sake, and yet for all their labor and seeking could they never hear word of him, and wit you well these three knights were passing sorry. Then at the last Sir Bors and his fellows met with a knight that hight Sir Melion de Tartar. Now, fair knight, said Sir Bors, whither be ye away? 
for they knew either other aforetime. Sir, said Melian, I am in the way toward the court of King Arthur. Then we pray you, said Sir Bors, that ye will tell my lord Arthur, and my lady, Queen Guinevere, and all the fellowship of the round table, that we cannot in no wise hear tell where Sir Lancelot is become. Then Sir Melion departed from them, and said that he would tell the king, and the queen, and all the fellowship of the round table, as they had desired him. So when Sir Melion came to the court of King Arthur, he told the king and the queen and all the fellowship of the round table what Sir Bors had said of Sir Lancelot. Then Sir Gwain, Sir Uwain, Sir Sagramor le Desirous, Sir Agravale, and Sir Percival de Galis took upon them by the great desire of King Arthur, and in especial by the queen, to seek throughout all England, Wales, and Scotland to find Sir Lancelot and with them rode eighteen knights mo to bear them fellowship. And wit ye well they lacked no manner of spending, and so were they three and twenty knights. Now turn we to Sir Lancelot, and speak we of his care and woe, and what pain he there endured, for cold, hunger, and thirst he had plenty. And thus, as these noble knights rode together, they by one ascent departed, and then they rode by two, by three, and by four, and by five, and ever they assigned where they should meet. And so Sir Algavale and Sir Percival rode together unto their mother, that was a queen in those days. And when she saw her two sons, for joy she wept tenderly. And then she said, Ah, my dear sons, when your father was slain he left me four sons, of the which now be twain and slain. And for the death of my noble son, Sir Lamorak, shall my heart never be glad. And then she kneeled down upon her knees to four Algavale and Sir Percival, and besought them to abide at home with her. Ah, sweet mother, said Sir Percival, we may not, for we be come of king's blood of both parties, and therefore, mother, it is our kind to hunt arms and noble steeds. Alas, my sweet sons, then she said, for your sakes I shall lose my liking and lust, and then wind and weather I may not endure. What for the death of your father, King Pellinore, that was shamefully slain by the hands of Sir Gawain and his brother, Sir Gaheris? And they slew him not manly, but by treason. Ah, my dear sons, this is a piteous complaint for me of your father's death, considering also the death of Sir Lamerick, that of knighthood had but few fellows. Now, my dear sons, have this in your mind. Then there was but weeping and sobbing in the court when they should depart, and she fell a-swooning in the midst of the court. End of Book Eleven Chapters 5 through 10.